Good morning, and welcome to Worship Online at First Baptist Church, Norman. We're so excited that you've joined us for worship today. If you're a first-time guest, we invite you to go to our website, fbcnorman.org, and go to the Connect button and let us know that you were with us today. We also invite returning guests to do that as well. Now let's lift up our voices, our hearts, and our lives to God as we worship Him in spirit and in truth and stand in His love. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. afraid to leave my past behind. No, I won't be shaking. No, I won't be shaking. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand 
Purchase my pardon on God. 
family, would you read God's word with me this morning? So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter was grieved because Jesus said this to him the third time. Then Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Good morning. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We pray that with the reading of scripture and through the experience of, of worship through music that you have, have been in the presence of Christ and that your worship has been rich. And now as we look into the word of God, we pray that the spirit of God will continue to speak to you and, and teach you. One of the things we've enjoyed about our worship together online is hearing from so many of you from so many different places. Last week uh, on Easter Sunday, we received a, an email the day after from one of our former exchange students, Mikhail, who he and his mom and dad worshiped with us last Easter Sunday from their home in Italy. Mikhail, it was great to hear from you and we, we pray that things are going well as, as you experience this time in Italy. We've been praying for you We've been praying for your country as you've gone through this time. You know, today is a significant day in the life of Oklahoma, in the life of, in history of our, of our nation. 25 years ago, 
a truck parked outside of the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City detonated, killing 168 people, leaving hundreds wounded and scarring many, many others for the rest of their lives. The gates of time mark the formal entrances into the Memorial Plaza. The 901 gate reminds us of the innocence of life before the attack occurred. Adults and young children, unaware of the danger that they were in, working, playing, enjoying life on that morning. And then, at 9.02, adults, that is, parents, grandparents, friends, neighbors, were violently taken from us, leaving voids that would never be filled and pain that would always be part of our lives. Children robbed of life and the world robbed of their contribution and of the generations that would come from them. Children whose lives were a source of uncontainable pride and joy now whose deaths were a source of unspeakable grief and pain. But let us not forget the 903 gate. For at 903, the process of healing began. It began as hundreds and then thousands of people from across the state and across our nation rallied to rescue to heal and to redeem the lives and the innocence of those and of that which was lost. Some of you watching were a part of the, the first responders, the, the medical and rescue and recovery teams that worked so selflessly to bring hope, healing, and restoration to our lives and to our community. Your strength, your courage, and your sacrifice continue to inspire us today, even 25 years later. Yes, April the 19th, 1995 is one of the most horrific days in the history of this state. Yet in the midst of the fear and uncertainty of that tragedy, the grace of God and the strength and the goodness of God's people manifested itself in beautiful and magnificent ways. We are reminded that the light shines into the darkness and that the darkness shall never, ever overcome it. Once again, darkness has swept across our world and community this time in the form of a virus called COVID-19. Those over 60 and those with health-related concerns are most vulnerable, but we continue to learn that even the young and the healthy have lost their lives to this virus. This virus is no respecter of persons. Its unknown, stealthy presence in some of our lives means that we must all take precautions so that we're not responsible 
for sharing the spreading of this virus to those that are more vulnerable. Let us not grow weary of doing good, of keeping our distances, of not gathering in public during these days. As of April the 16th, COVID-19 has claimed over 143,000 lives worldwide. And since the first death in our nation at the end of February, 34,000 lives in this nation have been lost to COVID-19. 131 in our state alone. Our lives have been interrupted in ways that we could never have imagined, and we are left to ponder an uncertain future as we wait for this season of stay-at-home to come to an end. We are tempted to fear instead of to faith. We are tempted to dwell on our isolation and on our loneliness instead of the opportunity that we have to reach out to others. Let us be strong and let us be courageous during these days, persevering with love and with hope. These days will pass and we will be together again. Let us be patient and in the meantime, let us wait upon the Lord, growing in our faith, loving and serving those as we are able. You know, I'm reminded of a story from John chapter 21. The disciples were still trying to understand the events of the last days. They had witnessed the darkness of the crucifixion of their beloved Savior and Messiah. They hid out in Jerusalem after his death in fear and in paranoia. But three days later, they marveled, they rejoiced at his resurrection. Yet still, they were uncertain about what all of this was to mean. What would the future hold? So the disciples returned to their home, to the area of Galilee, and to work on the sea. Certainly the previous years with Jesus had been transformational, but it looked like their adventure was over. They had to make a living and they, they needed to provide for themselves and for their families. So let's pick up this story in John chapter 21, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. And they said to him, we will also come with you. And they went out and they got into their boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Isn't that interesting? We, we just saw earlier in John chapter 20, on the day of resurrection, that Mary went to the garden and she did not recognize Jesus. And last week we also read the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus came alongside of them and yet they did not recognize Jesus. These disciples had, had already seen Jesus. They'd seen Him twice. 
but still they did not know it was Jesus. They did not recognize him. Verse 5, so Jesus said to them, again, they, they didn't know it was Jesus, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him and said, no. And he said to them, then cast the net on the right hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that, that's John, said to Peter, Peter, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and he threw himself into the sea and he made his way to the shore where Jesus was. Did you see that? Mary, she recognized Jesus when he called her by name. The, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus broke bread, they recognized him. And here, when the disciples, when, when they cast their empty net and, and it became full, they knew, they remembered, they recognized Jesus. Do you remember the story in, in Luke chapter 5? Jesus had, had come to the Sea of Galilee and Peter and James and John had, had been out all night fishing and they had not caught anything. And Jesus imposed upon them and said, can, can, can I get into your boats and we go out just a little way so that I can, can talk and teach the crowd that's with me. And, and Peter, James and John obliged and, and they went out and Jesus taught. And then afterward, Jesus said, well, well go out and, and cast your nets into the, the deep part. And they said, oh, but, but Jesus, Rabbi, the, there's no fish. We've been out all night. And Jesus said, cast them into the deep and this time their nets were filled with with fish and they were amazed and they were afraid and fearful who is this man and Jesus Jesus said come and I will make you fishers of men and here once again on the Sea of Galilee as their nets were filled with fish, John, Peter, recognized Jesus. They knew that it was Jesus. And as they made their way to the shore, Jesus had already prepared a, a, a charcoal fire. And he had bread and he said, hey guys, bring some of those fish over. And there on that beach, they shared breakfast with Jesus. Wouldn't that have been a, a glorious and wonderful morning to, to sit there on the, on, on the beach, on the coast there of the Sea of Galilee and, and to, to have breakfast with Jesus, to remember and to, to tell stories, to, to laugh and, and I suspect to even cry and to enjoy that moment with Him. Oh, don't you know that was such a, a valuable, impressionable moment for those disciples? And then, as breakfast came to an end, Jesus looked up and, and I would imagine he looked directly and squarely into the eyes of Peter. And he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Oh, I would have loved to have, have seen Jesus ask that question. Because we don't know what, what these things or what these referred to. Maybe Jesus pointed over to the disciples and, and said, Peter, do you love me more than these disciples? Do you, do you love me more than your cousins that are here? Do you love me more than these men that, that you've shared these last years with, that you have, have suffered, that you have lived with? Do, do you love me more than these men? Or maybe Jesus was referring to Peter's pride. Remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed that, that, that Peter said, Oh, Jesus, I, I would never deny you. All of these guys, they might deny you, but I never will. Jesus, oh, don't you know, I love you so much more than they do. Maybe Jesus was referring to, to Peter's pride and the reality that he had denied Jesus. Peter, do you still love me more than these men do? Or maybe Jesus referred to the fish in the net and pointed over towards the boat and the nets and being home and this, this way of life, re returning to, to your vocation where you knew what was going to happen each and every day. You're with your family, your friends, with, with that life you were familiar with. Peter, do, do you love me more than these things and what they offer and provide? Jesus, I'm sorry, in Peter, I believe, looked squarely back in the eyes of Jesus and said, Jesus, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. You see, Peter knew he had failed the Lord. He denied him three times. And he knew that he was filled with pride that he boasted of his superior love. He must have felt the comfort of returning to the Sea of Galilee and to, to home and beginning his life again in the work of a, a fisherman. Yet one thing was certain and true. Oh, how Peter loved Jesus. He loved him in spite of the grief that he had caused his friend and, and that he had let him down without exception and without rival, Peter loved Jesus more than all these things. So Peter, I believe, looked with love and intent upon Jesus and said, Lord, you know that I love you. Maybe he was reflecting, referring back to that beautiful psalm, Psalm 139, where the scripture says, Search me, Lord. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way within me, Lord, and lead me in your everlasting way. Peter knew that he had hurt the Lord. He denied him. And he knew that there weren't any words that he could say, but he knew to the one who knew everything, he could say, Lord, peer into the recesses of my heart and my mind, and you will know, you'll know that even in the midst of my mess-ups, that I love you. I love you more than anything. As humbly 
and as transparently as he could, Peter professed his love for Jesus. And do you? Do you love Jesus more than these things? What are these things in your life? Is it your family or friends? Is it your work? Is it the safety and security of your home in these days of sickness? Is it your health? Maybe these things for you is your independence and your autonomy. Maybe these things are those things that you find pleasure, your possessions, the accomplishments of your life. Do you love Jesus more than you love these things? Oh, oh, how we can relate to Peter. Two more times, as we read verses 15, 16, and 17, two more times Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And each time Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. After the third time, the scripture says that Peter was grieved, grieved that his Lord had to ask that third time, grieved, I believe, because he remembered. He remembered the three times that he had denied Jesus on the night that he was arrested, betrayed. But still, still Peter affirmed his love for Jesus. Jesus, Lord, you know that I love you. And each time that Peter declared his love for his Lord, Jesus responded with an instruction. Peter, tend my lambs. Peter, shepherd my sheep. Peter, tend my sheep. On the coastline three years earlier, Jesus had invited Peter to, to follow and he would make him a fisher of men. Now, despite his failures, Jesus was renewing his call on Peter's life. Peter, come. Come and take care of my sheep. Watch after, pastor, teach, care. For my people. Yes, Lord, I love you. And then, in verse 19, Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. And with that, Peter left his boat, he left his nets, and he became the key leader and spokesperson for the early church. Jesus comes to each of us today asking this same question. Do you love me? And like Peter, some of us can say, You know me, Lord. You know that I love you. I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I've denied you. I've let you down in the past. But as you look deep into my heart and into my mind, you know that I love you. If that is where you are today, listen to the words of Jesus. Tend 
my sheep. Now you may not have the exact call of Peter, but all of us, all of us who are Christ followers are called to love and to care for one another. Would you do that? Would you care for those around you? Would you reach out to those who today are alone and afraid? Would you tend to those who are without work? Care for the sick. Feed the hungry. Offer rest to those who are exhausted. This is the perfect moment to pause and to offer thanks. Thanks to so many who are making a difference in these days. So many who are tending the sheep of the Father. Thank you to our medical personnel. Thank you to our first responders and pharmacists and those who are tending to the victims of COVID-19. We are inspired by your service and by the way many of you have and continue to risk exposure to yourself and therefore or thereby your family and friends in order to serve the sick and the dying. Thank you. Your selflessness and sacrifice are the fulfillment of Jesus' words to tend my sheep. And thank you to those who are working long hours to keep grocery stores opened and porches filled with deliveries. Thank you to restaurants, restaurateurs who are willing to stay open and for volunteers who are packing and preparing meals for those that are hungry. Thank you to bankers and accountants who are helping us to understand all the, the government relief efforts. We know you are putting in many long and hard hours. And thank you to everyone who is staying home as much as possible. You see, together we are caring for each other. And we must care for each other during these days. And you, do you love me? On the other hand, some of us would say, you know me, Lord, and you know in my heart that I do not love you more than these things. Maybe it grieves you to, to say this, but it is the honest confession of your heart. The Lord knows this too. If this is your testimony today, let me encourage you. You see, confession is the first step to finding peace and healing that comes from God. Listen to the word of the Lord. Follow me. Leave these things and come and follow after Christ. Allow Him to change your life. He will fill you with His grace and His forgiveness. He will heal you. And He will bring new life inside of you. Come and follow me, Jesus would say to you.
If this is the cry of your heart today, please reach out to us or to someone who can encourage and pray with you and lead you to know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. This is the most important step you will ever take in your life. Would you come and follow after Him today? Church, I know it's hard to see Jesus when we encounter the darkness of this world. Violence can shatter our innocence and viruses can force us to retreat behind the walls of our homes. They leave behind them a wake of death and of destruction that can scar our lives. But if we will look carefully from the safety and separation of our boats, of our homes, then we can see Jesus along the shoreline inviting us to breakfast and to a new day of life. It is an invitation to pass through the gate of hope, of healing, and of love for one another. I pray that you answer His call today. You may be afraid to ask, but you know that it is Jesus. He is calling you to Himself today. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then come and follow me. Let's pray. Father, on this significant day of history, on this day in which we remember the tragedy of a, a senseless act of violence and terror in our, in our community, we're also reminded of this virus that we struggle with and that we fight against today. And we're so grateful that the light is never overcome by the darkness. And we thank you for today for the light that we see shining in so many places, people reaching out to respond and to, to be your agents of healing and of grace and of mercy. We thank you for your ongoing healing in our lives. And for those that continue to hurt from things that took place 25 years ago or things that took place 50 years ago or even just a day or two ago, we pray that they would know the touch of your grace, of your healing presence in their lives. And Father, today, that we would be able to confess our love for you. And today, we would come after you and follow you in everything that we do. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to see you on the seashore even while we're out in the boat by ourselves and can't see much of anything. God, come today. Heal us. Bring strength and courage. Allow us to persevere. And we'll give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for joining with us. We pray and we trust and hope that the Spirit of God is, has ministered to you today. Again, please respond and, and let us know how God is stirring in your heart 
during these days. And let us know how we can be praying for you, especially if you've been impacted by this virus, especially if you've been impacted by a loss of work. Let us know so that we can pray with you and encourage you. And now, let me invite Maddie and Tyler Ferris to come and to offer a word of encouragement and to offer a prayer of blessing as we finish our time together today. Amen. And God bless. Good morning, First Baptist family. We are the Ferrises. I was born and raised in this church. And my husband, Tyler, he joined the church in 2015. And we were subsequently married here in 2017. These are unprecedented times in our nation and world's history. And because of this, our church has to adapt to these changing circumstances. During these times, we just want to encourage our members to continue their tithes and offerings because while a lot of the world and our everyday life has stood still, the needs of the church continue to grow and are adapting to different um, circumstances here. So whether that be giving monetarily or giving your time and energy to different ministries, I encourage you to do so. There are many different opportunities such as porch pals, calling community members, calling church members to check in and make sure they're okay. So I just want to encourage all of us to remember that there are those in need and we need to continue to help them. Will you please bow your head with me and pray? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us all another day on this earth. We ask you to look after our church members, our neighbors, our families, our friends, and our nation during this time of global pandemic. Please be with those who are dealing with sickness and who are having to endure their sicknesses away from their loved ones. Let them feel surrounded by love and lifted up by our prayers. We pray for our nation's heroes, the doctors, nurses, first responders, leaders, teachers, grocery store workers, delivery drivers, who are all doing their part to keep our lives as normal as possible during this unprecedented time. We pray for our church ministers. Help them to continue to lead our church out of this darkness and remind us that light is on the horizon. Lastly, I pray that we all can use this time in solitude to grow closer to God and deeper in our faith. And I pray that we can soon be together again, worshiping, singing, laughing, and praying together in fellowship under one united roof. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.